Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Okay, let's, uh, now that we're all settled, uh, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for being our God this morning. And so, Lord, should not a people of God come to their God to learn, to be directed, to be protected, to be helped this morning. And that's what we do in Jesus' name. Amen. Please turn to Genesis 32, verse 27. Genesis 32, verse 27, where we read, And he said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. Jacob called the name of that place Peniel. For I have seen God face to face. My life is preserved. And as he passed over Peniel, the sun rose upon him, and he halted upon his thigh. Therefore the children of Israel eat not of the sinew, which shrank, which is upon the hollow of the thigh unto this day, because he touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh in the, in the sinew that shrank. Now, we can't read a verse like verse 27 where, 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 where God is asking uh, Jacob, what's your name? Why? And without, without asking ourselves the question, why in the world is God asking Jacob to say his name? It just seems so odd to us we should, that, that, to, to be asking Jacob what his name was. I mean, what's God doing by asking Jacob for his name? There's something that we're supposed to learn by that, by seeing Jacob ask for his name. Uh, and obviously, it's, we're not to learn that God forgets names. <laughs> He's got to ask, you know, who are you again? No, because <laughs> what the issue is here is that inside of us, inside of each one of us, there's a good person and there's a bad person. And Jacob's name described his bad person. The name of Jacob, it means heel grabber, heel grabber, which was the name that was given to him when he was born because he was grabbing the heel of his brother Esau. And Jacob has always felt like this world has been treating him unjustly. He's always gotten, he's just not getting what should have been his. That's been Jacob's feeling. He just felt it wasn't right that he was born second. Jacob felt that, that he was the twin that should have come out first, should have been born first. So at birth, you know, it's, I mean, you know, I don't know if Jacob's thinking all this, but anyways, he, he resorts and grabs Esau's heel as if to say, I am not gonna accept being born second in line. I'm gonna cut you off in line and push my way to the front. 
which is why in Israel, Irene, if you wait in line, you're going to see a lot of Jacobs <laughs> cutting in front of you because they're all the sons of Jacob. You know? anyway, now, and then growing up, Jacob felt it just wasn't right that his father didn't love him and favor him above Esau. He just felt that he should have been his father's favorite. And in his frustration, he, he grabs Esau's heel, pulls him back, impersonates Esau, and just for that moment enjoys the father's love that he never had. Jacob felt it just wasn't right for, for Esau that he should be born first, that he should have all the privileges and the rights of the firstborn. So in his frustration, Jacob reaches up, grabs Esau's heel, seizes on this weakness for food, and gets him to sell his birthright to him, and then goes on to impersonate him and gets his father's blessing of the birthright. So the name Jacob, or heel grabber, really epitomizes all of this feeling, this lifelong feeling of frustration and how he's been treated unjustly in life. And the name of this name, heel grabber, it epitomizes you know, how in life Jacob resorts to doing whatever it takes to get ahead. And it, and it really refers to the bad person inside Jacob. You know, we have a bad person inside of us. I mean, some names are just not the greatest names to have. You know, like Maximilian, Maximus, which means the greatest, you know, <laughs> which in New Zealand, you're not allowed, it's illegal to name a baby Chief Maximus, you know. You know, these, you know there are certain places where it's illegal to name a baby, you know. Like in Morocco, it's illegal to name a baby Sarah with an H because it's terrible, it's Jewish. You know? But God says in Proverbs, 1, 12, Proverbs 21, 24, Proverbs 21, 24, haughty, a proud and haughty scorner is his name who dealeth in proud wrath. I mean, today Jacob's a popular name and, and no one ever thinks about, well, what does that name mean? But Jacob was keenly aware of what it meant and he knew that it wasn't the greatest thing to be called a heel grabber. Now, clearly, God wants to help Jacob. God wants to help everyone. But what we're seeing here when God has asked Jacob for his name is that there's a process that has to be followed in order for God to help Jacob, in order for God to help anyone. What we're being shown here is this process so that we can understand what has to happen in order for God to help any person. You know, many believe that, well, God will just help me automatically without man doing anything because, you know, God's sovereign, he does what he wants. But help for Jacob would not come automatically. Jacob had to confess to God that he's been a heel grabber all of his life and he needs God's help. It took a lot of humility for Jacob to cry out to God in a type of confession, I'm a heel grabber. And that wasn't easy for Jacob. But it was vital for Jacob in this process to get help. You know, there's a lot of tension in verse 27. Is God asked Jacob, say it, confess it, state it. You're a sinner. You must do that before you get help from God. When a person is asked to tell God that he's a sinner and ask God to save him from his sins, there's a lot of tension in the air. There's a lot of tension in the room. There's a lot of stanzas of just as I am keep on getting played. <laughs> But he's got to do that. He's got to do that in order for there to be help from God. God cannot resist the person who cries out to him confessing he's a sinner. But God can and will throw off from him any person 
who feels self-reliant, self-confident, and refuses to call himself a sinner. And that's what he meant when he said in Matthew 9, 11, when he said, and when the Pharisees saw the publicans eating with them, they said unto the disciples, why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, they that behold need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go ye and learn what that meaneth, I'll have mercy and not sacrifice. For I'm not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So God asked Jacob, confess with your name you're a sinner. And he he said, in the end of verse 27, Jacob, he said, Jacob, now the blessing flows. And so there are two very important words in the next verse now, in verse 28, which which are the two words, no more. He says, he said unto him, thy name shall be called no more Jacob. You know, God says about Jacob's old name that it is to be no more says, no more, Jacob. He says about Jacob's old bad person, Jacob's bad person inside of him, represented by the name Jacob, that it is to be no more. When God said that to Jacob, God was saying no more in verse 28. God was telling Jacob, Jacob should no more think of himself as a heel-grabbing person who gets ahead in life, a heel-grabbing sinner. No more for the past life of sin. As it says in 1 Corinthians 6.11, such were some of you, but you're washed, you're sanctified, you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Jacob should no more say that he is self-reliant, self-confident, no more self-directing for his life. That's what it means in Proverbs 3.5, lean not unto thine own understanding, no more your own understanding. He should no more remember his past life of sins, no more remembering those failures, as God said in, in Isaiah 43, 18, Isaiah 43, 18, remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Jacob should no more continue in his past sins, as it says in Colossians 3, 5, mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, meaning put to death, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, covetousness, idolatry, so forth, for which things, which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which you also walked sometime when you lived in them, and now you've put off all these along with anger, wrath, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth, lie not one to another, seeing you've put off the old man, that's the bad person, the old man with his deeds. No more means, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. If a person has not experienced this becoming of a new creature with the old things passing away and all things becoming new, that person's not in Christ. Because if any man be in Christ, He's a new creature where old things are passed away and all things are become new. All things means all things, a total transformation. All things means all things, not just religious things. So in verse 28, God said to Jacob, thy name shall be called no more Jacob. He meant there's no more Jacob. But did God call him Jacob after this point? Did he ever call him it? He did. In Isaiah 41, 14, He said, fear not, thou worm Jacob. 
and amen of Israel, I'll help you. And Isaiah 43, 1, but now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob. Isaiah 44, 2, thus saith the Lord that made thee and formed thee from the womb, which will help thee, fear not, O Jacob, my servant. Isaiah 46, 28, fear thou not, O Jacob, my servant, saith the Lord, for I am with thee. I will make a full end of all nations, whither I have driven thee, but I'll not make a full end of thee. So, I don't get it. He says no more. He, he did this with Jake, uh, Abraham, didn't he? He changed his name. He changed his name in Genesis 17, 5. Use the same words. Neither shall thy name anymore, no more, be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee. From that point on, when God said that in Genesis 17, 5, God never called Abraham Abram again. But that's not the case with Jacob. So if when God changed Abraham's name in Genesis 17, 5 to Abraham, and using the same words as he's doing here in verse 28, when he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, and God never called Abraham by his old name Abram again, why does he still call him by his old name Jacob? When he said no more, why does he keep doing that? What's your thinking? I mean, I've led you up to the answer. (laughs) he's acting like Jacob he's not acting like Israel but Jacob is still acting like Jacob oh I'm shocked (laughs) it's much later it's interesting when you get to we're going to get to it in Genesis 35 verses 2 through 4 where it says then said Jacob unto his household and all that were with him put away the strange gods that'd be the idols that are among you, and be clean and change your garments. And let us arise and go up to Bethel, and I'll make there an altar unto God who answered me in the day of my distress and was with me in the way which I went. And they gave unto Jacob all the strange gods which were in their hand and all their earrings which were in their ears. I want you to get the image here of value. And Jacob, what did he do? He hid them. <laughs> he hid them under the oak which was by Shechem. Okay, and then in verse 10 of Genesis 35, and God said unto him, thy name is Jacob. Wait a minute, you'd say this name's not gonna be called Jacob anymore. No, I'm sorry. Thy name is Jacob. Thy name shall not be called anymore Jacob. Didn't you hear me the first time? But Israel shall be thy name. And he called his name Israel. So Jacob knew that his family was harboring idols. And he asked them all to get rid of them. And they handed them all to Jacob, handed it over. Now, what should he have done with those idols and earrings? Should have burned them. <laughs> That's what fire's for, right? But what did he do with them? I'm just going to, there's a lot of valuable stuff here. There's an oak tree over here. I'll hide them. You never know. I might have to come back, sell a few idols. Who cares, right? Gold's valuable. Let's not be hasty here. That's not Israel who hid those idols. Israel would have burned those idols. That was Jacob who hid those idols. And when God saw him do that, he said in verse 10, thy name is Jacob. (laughs) And thy name shall not be called anymore Jacob, but Israel shall be thy name. He calls his name Israel. So God's saying to Jacob, when I saw you hide those idols, I had to say, oh, his name is still Jacob, you know. I don't want you to be Jacob anymore, hiding idols. I want you to be Israel. I want to call you Israel. You should have burned him. Israel would have burned him. See, that's what goes on. And sometimes Jacob, he did act like Israel, 
And he was called Israel, like when he was about to die, and he was going to give the blessings on his sons. He was called Israel in Genesis 47. We'll come to it. 47, 29. See, we're going to come to it. I'm sounding like Donald Trump. We're going to do this, you know. <laughs> anyway, Genesis 47, 29, it says, And the time drew nigh that Israel must die. So just like with Jacob, God wants to call Jacob by his new name Israel, but Jacob keeps acting like the old nature. He keeps letting the bad person act out, and so he calls him Jacob, and God tells him, stop. In the same way, God wants to call us by our new name, Christian. But when we keep acting like our old nature, God cannot, and we frustrate God, just like Jacob frustrated God. But that's where the power of this verse gets very personal in verse 27. Going back up to that verse, that's where there's a power in his question, what is thy name? Every time we feel inside that we're not acting like a Christian, we should turn to this verse and verse 27 and let God ask that question to us. What's your name right now? What's your name right now as you're in the middle of doing what you're doing? Is your name carnal or Christian? And God has to continually ask this question in verse 27. What's thy name? Because Jacob has two persons inside of him. One named Jacob, one named Israel. And sometimes his name was Jacob and sometimes his name was Israel. We have two persons inside of us. One named carnal, one named Christian. Sometimes our name is carnal and sometimes our name is Christian. Jacob was Jacob by birth, but he was Israel by grace. And the same is true for us. We all have this Jacob person inside of us, and we all have an Israel person inside of us, and, and sometimes one's called sin, as, as, as Paul said in Romans 7.20. Now, if I do what I do not, it's no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. So, of the two persons inside of us, who controls? Who controls? Who acts out? We do. That's why we're told in Philippians 2.12.13, Wherefore, my beloved as you've always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It's God that works in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. It's God in you that's going to enable you, but your responsibility is to who you're going to allow work out. But now, God gives to Jacob a new name, and the new name is represented by the new character, the new, represented by the name Israel. See, Jacob's new life is represented by his new name Israel. Now, there's two meanings. It's interesting. There's two meanings that you can see in the word Israel. Israel, as you see from the context here, prince with God. That comes from taking the name Israel and breaking it into three parts. I, <laughs> Sar, and El, okay? I, I, is short for Im, Im, which in Hebrew is with, like Im-manuel, God with us, God, God to our togetherness with God. So with is Im, I. Sar means prince in, in Hebrew, like Sar Shalom, prince of peace. And El is God. So I, with, Sar, prince, El, God, prince with God. Is, Sar, I, Sar, El, prince God, prince with God. So from what God said, this meaning is borne out in the rest of, of verse 28. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men. So this name, with this name, God says to Jacob, you know, I knight and crown you, <laughs> Sir Israel, 
friends with God. Okay. So this meaning of this word, Israel emphasizes Jacob's position with God. Just like we could say the words of John 1.12, as many as received him, to them gave he the power, the authority, to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Or Galatians 3.26, for ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. So Jacob, he got his new relationship of prince with God, represented by the name Israel, when his thigh is put out of joint, and when he loses his strength in this wrestling match, and then and he got God instead. That was good. And Abraham gave up his son Isaac on the altar of sacrifice, and Abraham got God. And Isaac gave up his preference for Esau, and then when he blessed him knowingly, and he got God. So we can see with this word Israel, the meaning prince with God, it's great because when you think of this, just keeping this meaning, prince with God, it's really got five sides to it. It's like a diamond. You turn it, you get a beautiful new reflection out of it. And there's five wonderful sides. And these five wonderful sides you see by replacing one word in that phrase. Prince with God. With a, no, what does that mean? It has, means a special position or an inside connection, you know, with God. The same is true of us in Hebrews 10, 19. Therefore, brethren, we have boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. We have a special connection, right? So prince with God is a special a position or connection with God. Now, we can plug, take that word out with and plug in the word alongside, you know, alongside is one word, you know. Did you know that? You know, you could, I don't know. It's my, <laughs> Prince alongside God. What is that? That emphasizes a special companionship with God, an intimate partnership with God, enjoying all the Emmanuel parts of God. In other words, like it says in Hebrews 13, 5, he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. That's alongside God. Matthew 28, 20, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. That's an alongside God. Isaiah 41, 10, fear thou not, for I am with thee. That's an alongside God. So we've got with, we've got alongside. Now we plug it out and we put in another word of, prince of God. See, and man emphasizes to us, Jacob didn't invent that title or that position of Israel. He didn't wake up under and he says, you know what, I think I'll change my name to Israel. And it didn't, he didn't take it. It was given to him by God. He was a prince from God, prince of God. See, as believers, our title, our position as sons, it didn't originate with us. When we believed on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we were, as we mentioned this John 1.12 verse, we were given authority to become the sons of God. Okay, of. Now we plug out that word of, and we plug in the word for. Prince for God, in the sense that Jacob is an ambassador for God in this world. That makes Jacob a prince for God. See, the same is true for us in 2 Corinthians 5.20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. Okay, now we take out that word again, and we plug in the word in. Prince in God. In the sense that Jacob will now find all of his strength all of his direction, all of his protection, all of his comfort, everything in God. A 
another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org, or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E. Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Sunday Night Church is back. Starting September 25th, join Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor at the new Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for food and fellowship with Sunday evening services to follow at 5.30 p.m. On opening day, September 25th, we'll have Phil's Barbecue with special guest musician Jim Earp. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher Tom Cantor in a relaxed and family-friendly atmosphere. Sunday Night Church is back, so join us at the Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum at 10946 Woodside Avenue North in Santee, California. For more information, call us at 800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, or visit friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org for the Friendship with God Fellowship. <laughs> 